and welcome to Net Zero for Nothing, the podcast from the National Home Improvement Council, connecting industry, government and householders on the pathway towards zero carbon homes. I'm your host, Anna Scothan, and today we're going to talk about the role legislators have to play in allowing industry to achieve net zero carbon homes. This episode of the podcast is part of the NHIC member series, where we introduce member companies of the NHIC to listeners and where we'll get to know better the thought leaders and inspirational people from across the home improvement sector. The NHIC is a member organisation dedicated to improving the nation's homes together. We've been around since the early 70s and our strategic priority is to clearly demonstrate the positive contribution existing homes can make to the climate emergency while delivering skills for life, improved occupier health and well-being, and putting an end to fuel poverty. If there is a better way to deliver against the government's levelling up and zero carbon agendas, I'd like to know what it is. The NHIC, or National Home Improvement Council, to give it its full name, is the umbrella organisation for the UK's repair, maintenance and home improvement sector. Representing the whole sector supply chain from manufacture, design, specification, install, repair, maintenance, insurance, certification and consumer protection, the NHIC's members contribute to millions of home improvement jobs each year, deliver over a million hours of CPD training and contribute billions to the UK economy. And so let's get into today's podcast of Net Zero for Nothing by welcoming Tom Reynolds, Chief Executive of the Bathroom Manufacturers Association. Welcome, Tom. Hi, Anna. Good to be with you. Thanks so much for joining us today. And I know you are keen to talk to us about the role legislators must play in allowing industry to meet government's net zero emissions by 2050 targets. But before we get into that, I'd like to know a little bit more about you, if I may. You've been Chief Executive at the Bathroom Manufacturers Association for almost three years. And before that, you were at the British Ceramics Confederation, the BCC. I'd love to know how you first got interested in working in the world of bathrooms. Well, in short, Anna, it's through um, a very strange route that I got involved in the kind of world of home improvements. My my very first job um, straight out of, of uni, or first real job, uh, was working for a, a member of parliament and to be honest the, my interactions with the industry at that time weren't particularly positive because this MP became known um, around the country for his representations on um, something called the warm front scheme which I don't know if you remember is a, I do, effectively yes, fondly oh very good my, my <laughs> recollections aren't so fond unfortunately um it was a forerunner to the, the what's currently running is the the hug scheme uh, and it was around kind of in providing some uh, subsidy uh, for homeowners to uh, improve the kind of thermal properties of their homes um but sadly um under the the kind of frameworks of the scheme there were some pretty poor contractors um and and people were getting left left ripped off left right and center yeah so um our our office dealt with complaints about the scheme from all over the country um so that was my kind of first taste of home improvement um basically from there i ended up working in the in the trade press uh bouncing around various different titles uh and that included kind of covering issues around sustainability uh sustainable communities and improving the housing stock 
Um, so kind of kept a, a journalistic interest in, in all of this agenda. And, and at the same time as that, I was um, involved in planning uh, as a member of a local authority uh, and um, was chair of a local uh, authority building control partnership for a while as well. So always on the kind of fringes of this, but I kind of took, took um, a bit more of an academic interest in, in sustainability issues when I did a, uh, went back to, to uni to do a master's in environmental politics. Um, and um, it, it was, I really first got to, to apply some of that, that learning uh, when I, I landed in the wonderful world of trade bodies at the BCC. Um, shortly after the, um, the the last general election in 2015, um, you know, BCC clearly got big interest in in home improvement, having um, within its membership manufacturers of bricks, roof tiles, pipes, and and of course ceramic sanitary ware. Uh, and from there, it's a, quite a, a natural progression, really, into the bathroom manufacturers association. Absolutely, uh, lots of shared members. Yeah, for sure. And you sort of, I've been racking my brains because I, I, the analogy poacher come gamekeeper is coming to mind. But but I think when you were working for an MP, you were more the gamekeeper and, and now perhaps, but I'm not sure that necessarily now as trade associations, we're the poachers. But um, yeah, you've definitely, you, you've worked from working with those that are um, trying to be influenced to those that are trying to influence. Um, so hopefully you understand, understand um where you're influencing into. So the BMA acts as an information highway between manufacturers, industry and government and the consumer on all issues that affect bathroom businesses in the UK. And I wonder, could you tell listeners today a little bit more about the BMA and why associations like it are important? Yeah, sure. Well, the BMA um, represents 53 manufacturers of bathroom fixtures and fittings. Uh, we have a, a membership um, which consists of really nearly all of the, the recognisable brands uh, of bathroom products that you'd expect to see on our roster. Uh, and we, we make up the, the bulk of the market by by value, if if not entirely the, the same proportion by volume, because unfortunately there's a lot of unbranded um, and and uh, unfortunately, lower quality uh, bathroom products out there on the marketplace. Um, but you, certainly, we, we have the the bulk of the the credible manufacturers within within the BMA. Uh, and w- when I first joined the association a, a few years ago, I toured the the country, speaking to each of our our members, and very quickly together we we identified two strategic priority areas. One of them was around uh, product compliance, uh, which I know is a a shared interest with the the council. Um, You know, we've got to improve compliance if we're we're going to improve the quality of home improvement in the the UK. But the other other priority area was around sustainability. Members knew that we could do more as an industry to improve our own sustainability. But even more than that, we kind of knew that we've got a role to play in the whole sustainability of the built environment and that's kind of um, something which it's been both a headache and a pleasure to get to grips with because um, we're we're not there yet there's there's still an awful uh, lot to do and it doesn't immediately spring to to mind that the bathroom in your kind of refurb and your your green retrofit uh, because you think instantly of insulation maybe solar panels maybe a, a heat pump fancy things like that you don't necessarily think that a bathroom refurb can be part of a green retrofit 
But when you think about it a bit a bit deeper, um, one of the most energy intensive things that you can operations of the home is heating hot water. Of course. Um, so um, and you know even not heated water um kind of the basic supply and and removal of water from a property estimates are that that is accountable for six percent of the uk's carbon emissions so um you know the the bathroom does have an important play in uh, a role to play in, in getting to, to net zero as a society um and you know that that's something that we're keen to kind of embrace our role in, really. Uh, and it's not without its challenges. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and and it's also really important that householders understand because so so many of us, and and I'm guilty of it as well, Tom. That that we'll look on um, you know digital selling sites um, and and try and find you know new taps or a new shower head or something like that, but it it's really easy to mistakenly buy something that is non-compliant and well you might think that doesn't matter can can you tell us why it does matter that we we why we need to make sure that we understand what we're buying and to make sure that it is compliant yeah well i i could fall into the trap of kind of going into all the various different standards and regulations that apply here but really it boils down to this if you're buying not if, if you're not entirely sure that your product is complying uh, if it's if it's a non-compliant product you are both getting ripped off because the product won't perform to the lifetime that you expect it to and you're potentially putting yourself at risk because non-compliant products can be dangerous whether that's because they may cause scolding whether they uh, may um, you know it, it, with the example of a, a shower enclosure for instance you know they are supposed to, to shatter right uh, to to um, craze rather than to shatter. A shattered uh, shower enclosure could really do some some damage to you. Yeah, sure. So that, you know, um, yeah, it is important. And returning to that that issue of sustainability as well. If you want to be sure what the green credentials of your um, water fitting are, for instance, look out for a label. There's something called the Unified Water Label, uh, which the industry has been embracing over recent years. Um, you can um, you can ask your your retailer or your plumber what where where the product sits on that unified water label, or even search the database uh, that exists online, uh, so that you can basically be armed with that knowledge. This is how your product's going to perform. Exactly, and that that water label that you talk about, it's exactly like the um, energy label that we're really used to seeing on the front of our fridge or the front of our washing machine. It's exactly the same type of system for that, but it, it's around the water um, side of things. Is that right? Yeah, that is. I mean, it encompasses both energy and water. The, the main part of the label um, kind of points to, uh, for a tap or a shower, the flow rate of the, the product, so how much water it uses in a, in a minute. Uh, and for a bath or a toilet, it it looks at the the volume of water used for any given operation. But yeah, it, it works on a, a kind of sliding scale and, and kind of points to you know, the top band being green, the bottom band being red, uh, and how good the the, the performance of the product is. Uh, and it's got some supplementary uh, information there as well around the energy use of of any given product too. 
Yeah, so it helps consumers understand and make choices around the products that they're that they're putting into their home. So I've heard you speak um, at various uh, events and 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 conferences um, in the past about water scarcity. Um, so what does this have to do with saving carbon and sustainability? And what do you think is the most important thing that government and other stakeholders connected? with the repair, maintenance and home improvement sector should be doing in the race to zero for existing homes? Okay, um, well, in terms of the, the connection between water scarcity and carbon, there's kind of three ways that I'd connect the dots. So the, the first is pure and simple water scarcity uh, and the fact that water is becoming harder to manage in this country is one of the first direct impacts of climate change for the UK. There are, there are parts, uh, we, we have this perception, don't we, of, of Britain being a grey and cloudy and rainy place, but there are parts of this country which are drier um, than, you know, what you'd expect to be the, the kind of dusty parts of the, the continent, you know. Um, so it, it, we're in a, a, a place where, um, water is very increasingly difficult to manage, and that is because of climate change. The, the second thing uh, is around the fact that actually supplying um, water to our properties is not a zero carbon activity. The water industry are making great strides uh, in fairness to try and uh, move towards um, a net zero as other parts of the economy are. Um, but at this stage in time, as I said, estimates are that water supply and processing uh, accounts for up to six to six percent of the UK's carbon emissions. So it's not using less water and demand side strategies are part of the water industry plan to, to get to net zero. Using less water will help there. Thirdly, uh, heating water uh, is energy intensive, simple as. So if you are having a really long shower the the um the, the heating up of that water is going to be quite a carbon intensive activity within your home so that there's um there's ways uh of, of kind of mitigating that both through the fittings and behaviors um that uh that, that a householder undertakes uh, yeah so you you talked um then about demand side strategies now that sounds like a pretty cool statement what does it mean uh, reducing domestic water consumption, basically. Um, so um, there, there, there's all manner of different things. So the government are looking into mandatory water labelling, and we hope that they'll hit the ground running um, by adopting the industry scheme that's that's already there, that manufacturers are already placing their products on, rather than kind of just ignoring what already exists and generating going off on a frolic of their own uh, you know just just use what what already exists in you something uh, that's already there absolutely yeah, pick, what pick is it the low-hanging fruit and i'm sure there's all sorts of different metaphors we could use anna yes indeed indeed okay so that that's helped me clear that up so so what you sort of talked a little bit then about government it'd be fantastic if they use what's already there um what else can they do what what would you ask for legislators um, to do in this space um, you know we we're, we're often waiting for government direction and government incentive um, and what would be your plea um, in in this space okay well this kind of talks to the theme of my my speech at the council's reception a few weeks ago um, and it's something I'd, I'd rep repeat today is that kind of all too often 
great green housing policies have been developed in an uncoordinated way and the policy owners have acted in silos and we simply can't move ahead like that we, we've got to make sure that there's a more strategic approach and that all the parties involved in this are joined up um and that you know, reflecting on a really difficult couple of years uh, that have just passed, I think one of the silver linings was, uh, that, that came out of the pandemic is that the construction industry has come together and it is joining up. Um, the Greening Our Homes retrofit strategy, uh, which was pulled together by a really broad range of different st- stakeholders, including NHIC and, and the BMA, um, Actually, the result of, of that collaboration was a, a genuinely strategic approach to transforming our housing stock. And it wouldn't it be great if Whitehall were to look at the way that we've put that together and were to join up their own um, departments you know, simply by adopting the strategy as a starting point. Um, so, yeah, during the reception, I called up for, for, I called for a joined up approach in government. I, I just genuinely would like to see that. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's it's so easy. Um, as industry, we are challenged um, regularly to, you know, come up with solutions. And, and in this instance, as you say, off, off the back of the pandemic, industry has come up with a solution, the National Retrofit Strategy. Uh, it's a template, if you like, a, a a 10 point plan to use to use government's rhetoric around um, a, a green industrial revolution. But you know, there's a, a 10 point plan for refurbishing the 28 million homes um, across the UK and water efficiency and um, uh, and the things that you've talked about today, looking at water scarcity, water supply, heating of hot water, carbon load associated with water usage in the home. They all form part of that strategy. So there, there is um, some low hanging fruit for government here to just say we like industry strategy and we're going to support it. And and it's not about the money and it's not about going to government saying and we want you to pay for all of this. It's about setting the direction of travel. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, Boris talks a lot a few years ago about oven ready deals didn't he that you know here we've got the the industry that has produced an oven ready plan to deliver net zero because you we're not going to hit that 2050 target of a net zero uk unless the housing stock is dealt with um and you know 20 transforming 27 million homes and there's debate about the number but i'm going to say 27 million to, to net zero carbon is a complicated business it's made even more difficult by individual departments by individual parts of the construction industry and its supply chain doing their own thing what we we've produced is a blueprint for us all working together in a coordinated way yes it involves a big investment but you know more than that it's the plan of how we're going to go around um actually moving forward and, and developing a real plan um, and um, I, I just hope that the government look on it favourably as we kind of approach the comprehensive spending review in October. And, you know, that there is uh, there's something that's oven ready for them here. Absolutely. It's um, yeah, you'd think that they'd just be grabbing it. Um, but I think that they're a bit scared of the numbers, but um, it, it's not going to get any easier, is it? The, the longer we um, don't make a decision and the longer you know, another year goes by and another year goes by, there's still the same number of homes that need 
refurbishing and moving on their pathway towards zero carbon. Um, so that the longer we wait, the harder the job is going to be for sure. Um, so as you know, Tom, this podcast is called Net Zero for Nothing. So I hope you've done a little bit of homework in preparation for this. But what can listeners um, do for nothing or let's say for less than £100 that would make a huge impact on their uh, not only their domestic energy bills, but also their, their water bills and help them prepare their home for the future? Let me start by saying I think this is a great question because it is not necessarily one that comes where the answers come too easily for those of us in construction because we're all about the big projects and the grand visions. But actually, uh, it's really important that we do achieve those marginal gains and and the quick wins um, that come with the the very basic actions to to make a difference. Um, So there are a few simple things. I'm going to stick with the bathroom. This is what, what, what I know. There are a few simple things that um, you can do in the bathroom that spring to mind. The first is about thinking about your bathing routine. So uh, can you cut your showering time by uh, just, a, just a minute each time you shower? Because that, that small action of, of shaving a little bit of time off your shower will save an enorm- enormous amount of water. It'll achieve a, a large energy saving as well. Um, and if you run a hot, deep bath three or four times a week why not make it a week entry instead and and stick to showers during the week Uh, another thing that can be done is fitting flow regulators to your uh, taps uh, and wash hand basins these are really minimal cost uh, and available from diy stores or uh, builders merchants you can even get them for free uh, from some water companies so check with your water company they'll reduce your water use without affecting one bit the functionality of your taps and then finally it it's kind of going to be remiss of me if i don't mention our recent campaign about get lavy savvy um and this is around uh encouraging consumers to check their loos for uh leaky toilet valves um this when when your toilet is leaking it can go unnoticed for a long time so it's not going to be leaking over the floor it's going to be leaking into the pan uh so it's a, it's a way that unfortunately a lot of water is wasted um but it's usually something that can be very easily fixed so we've got video instructions on how to how to check and how to do some ba- basic maintenance at getlavysavvy.co.uk Thanks, Tom. I mean, it, it's it's really easy for us to forget as householders um, that we should be proactively maintaining our homes. Our homes are our biggest assets, yet we seem to have a mindset that we shouldn't do anything to them and that they don't need any maintenance. We, you know, we would not consider um you know, not not maintaining our cars or, you know, because we would know then that, that they would end up being unsafe. And And while we advocate getting professionals in to do work and making sure that those professionals are um, registered with competent person schemes and trade associations and that they use compliant products, there are things that as householders we can do. You know, we can bleed and test our radiators. We can do simple maintenance jobs. And that's really what your your Get Lavvy Savvy campaign campaign is all about, helping people um, and showing them how they can how they can maintain their toilets to stop wasting water. Well, that's right. If, if you haven't got that level of confidence in, in what to do, if you're at least doing the checks and know when to call in a plumber, your house is going to stay in, in kind of ship shape and, um, and performing as you, you want it to. 
if you're not even doing the checks, then you're going to find yourself in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's also a really great piece of advice to ask to say to people, check with your water company what they can give you for free because they um, have a commitment and a big pot of cash to help. Again, back to your demand side strategies. They are invested in trying to help you use less water. And so they they might have um, appropriate blocks that can go in your systems. They could have different types of shower heads, water regulators, as you've mentioned, for taps. Um, So a simple phone call to your water company or even looking at your water bill to look at their website to see what you can get for free. I think people would be quite surprised. Absolutely. And, yeah, let's not forget a... Returning to the the overarching theme of this podcast, you know, a, a net zero home by necessity will be a water efficient one. It, it, as individuals, we've got a, a, a good reason to, um, to to make sure that our homes are, are water efficient because you know difficult times are coming, arguably uh, around around water supply you know, in in the future. But m- more than that, um, you know, the, the water industry have got a lot to a lot riding on this as well. Um, because they've got some really ambitious targets from government they can only do so much in fixing their own pipes and they can they need consumers to help them frankly and so to recap tom has when discussing the role legislators can play in helping industry and the country achieve net zero homes by 2050 tom had had three simple asks Firstly, the government adopt industry's proposed national retrofit strategy called Greening Our Homes. Secondly, that government uses what already exists, namely the unified water label. Please do not reinvent the wheel. And thirdly and finally, to a plea for a joined up approach. If we as a nation stand any chance of a net zero carbon future, it has to be done together. Government departments need to connect, political parties need to agree, and industry needs to align, innovate and invest. So thank you for listening to this episode of Net Zero for Nothing from the National Home Improvement Council, the voice of home improvement. Be sure to follow us across social media, searching for at the NHIC and subscribe to this podcast, Net Zero for Nothing, for future episodes. And don't forget to check out the show notes for links to all the references Tom has mentioned during this podcast, as well as other key hints and tips for achieving net zero for nothing in your home.